We should praise God for those blessings, and we do that every month. It helps keep us focused on what God's doing and that good things are happening. We plan those out throughout the month, being aware as the staff and the elders help us with that as well. But sometimes the pastor, I just get to give you some high fives real time. And uh, this week has been no different than that. It's been a blessing. Um, I want to say thank you and high five you if you have helped serve in any way the Smith family over the past two weeks. The Smith family um, lost their toddler to a, a tragedy recently. And this week we loved on them well and they're seeing the hope of Jesus. So I would ask that you would pray that they not only heal, but they continue to be strengthened as, um, as they know God's love more. So thank you for helping us love on them. Another high five to God primarily, just to him uh, who is capable of healing during the hardest of time. Sally Bolin is back at home after weeks and weeks in the hospital. Let's praise God for that. I, I'm so thankful for that. And another thing that I'm, I'm just aware of, and I see you, our church family, working out in the community doing well. Uh, this happens often when young people go through a struggle. But great job, community, and different ones of you for helping Ambria Dahl through this time her battle with cancer. Uh, there was a great effort yesterday to encourage her in the community, and I see many of you helping specifically uh, just encourage Ambria and the rest of her family. So I, uh, let's praise God for Ambria and that, that battle as well. One thing I love about the high fives is it keeps us focused and celebrating on what God's doing. And we can celebrate a lot of things, but one of the things that has been a part of every high five since we started this is celebrating when people come to know Jesus and making them Lord and Savior of their life. You saw two more uh, from this past month where people said, I want to make Jesus my Savior and my Lord. And here's what's cool. The most important focus is that they're forgiven of their sins. And I wonder if you've done that. We just sang about a breakthrough. It's the last song we talked about, that, that our God is a God of breakthrough. And in the in-between, sometimes we get stuck. And, and the, the place where we're stuck often as humans that we cannot handle on our own is sin. And sin is real, and God offers forgiveness through Jesus. Have you done that, been forgiven by making Jesus your Lord? Sometimes when we think about a breakthrough and, and what really could help propel us, we think about this temporary thing, and, and we think about this thing we want, or this thing that if God could just help with this, this, then I would be happy. And oftentimes we lose the proper perspective on the eternal. Proper perspective really matters. I don't know if you heard about the family that went to uh, Colorado early this summer. They traveled from the Midwest all the way to uh, the Rocky Mountain National Park, and they thought they were just going to be able to go in. But the last couple of years, they've changed protocol at the Rocky Mountain National Park. You've got to kind of have a reservation to get in. So this family, mom and dad, and two, uh, actually three small boys uh, were there, and the, the park ranger's like, hey, you don't have a pass. You can't get in. Dad's like, oh, this is a pretty big deal, but he, he tries to uh, just keep a positive attitude, and he says, don't worry, guys, I saw a campground just a few miles back the road. It was a, a, a naturist camp or something, and, and we can go there for today. Tomorrow, we'll go into the park. So he takes his family down this, uh, to this naturist park, this uh, campground. He goes down this long private lane, and the, the mom and dad are just kind of talking as they head there. The three boys are in the back of the car just kind of uh, traveling along. And to mom and dad's surprise, they, they see this group of just 20, 30 uh, bikers, uh, bicyclists coming their way. And mom's like, oh, boys, look, we're going to be able to ride our bikes at this camp. And, and they were kind of excited about that. And mom and dad go a couple uh, hundred more yards. And, and to their surprise, they realize that all the bicyclists aren't wearing any clothes. They're totally nude. 
So dad's like, can I turn this car around? But on both sides of the road, it's rocky, can't really turn around. So he just decides to just silently push through the middle of the crowd, you know, not slowing down, just, just kind of ignoring what's going on around him, hoping that the boys don't notice in the back of the car. I mean, they're young boys, mom's nervous, what's going to happen? Not a word is said. They pass through the middle of it. I mean, it's completely silent. Mom and dad are like, boy, maybe they didn't see that. And then all of a sudden, a few hundred feet past the crowd, the youngest boy at the back of the car says, Dad, did you see that? And dad reluctantly says, yeah, I saw that. And then a little bit more time goes by and the boy shouts out. He goes, Dad, can you believe not one of them had a helmet on? (laughs) To the dad's surprise... The perspective of his son only allowed him to see the top and the fact that they had no helmets on. Proper perspective matters. I wonder how much of the time that we expose to God that we have a limited and improper perspective of what matters. I would love to think that our improper perspective doesn't have us see the things of the world, but oftentimes our improper perspective has us focus on things of the world, what's temporary, and not focus on what's eternal, what matters most. Temporary matters consume our thoughts and our minds. In today's text, Jesus is going to help us refocus on what matters most, the forgiveness of sins. You're like, well, that's not on my radar. Uh, often, I wonder how many days you even think about saying you're sorry for your sins or, or seeking God for forgiveness. Uh, too often, we get distracted by all these temporary things of the world and miss what matters most, the fact that he restores our relationship with God through the forgiveness of our sins. Some of you may be thinking right now, yeah, it'd be nice if my sins were forgiven, but this is my problem for today. This is what I need to break through about. Others of you are like, I don't even feel the baggage of sin because I don't really know what sin is. Jesus is wanting us to see today the breakthrough that he offers each and every one of us that matters most is the breakthrough of forgiveness of sin. How often do we seek a breakthrough in an area of our life that's temporary and lose sight of what's eternal? We fool ourselves into thinking, God, if you would just help me with this this one detail in life, then I would be happy. Or, or God, here's my prayer. This is what I really want, and I'll follow your will later. I'm sure it'll all fall into place. And where Jesus is slowing us down and saying, if you want to be well, if you want to be in relation with me, I'm the one who has authority to forgive your sins. Turn with me in your text in in the Bible to Mark chapter 2. If you've got a Bible like the one I'm holding around you in in the wing or maybe in front of you, it's on page 837. You can turn right there. We're going to be in Mark chapter 2 the entire morning. Let me give you a little background uh, of Mark chapter 2. Here's where it's, it's right after Mark chapter 1. Okay, that's what, one thing we know. What's in Mark chapter 1, though, is really cool. We studied this a couple weeks ago. It was the story where the leper was healed. Jesus heals this leper, and the request that Jesus has of the leper kind of surprised us. He says, tell no one. I know your life has been changed. You can go back to church to worship. You can go back to be with your wife. You can hug your kids. But don't tell anyone what happened. Like, how's that work? Strangely enough, the leper tells everyone. You can't really hold him accountable for that. His life has changed. He tells people Jesus has done this. So when we get to Mark chapter 2, people want to be with Jesus, this miracle worker. That's where we pick up the story, Mark chapter 2. The crowds are pushing in. They're, They're wanting to be next to this healer. Look what it says in verse 1. And when he, Jesus, returned to Capernaum after some days, 
it was reported that he was at home. Now, we don't really for sure know whose home this was, but he kind of went there uh, reading between the lines to kind of rest and recoup from some ministry. And many gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. Here's what's interesting. He's gathered in there to kind of relax and the crowds push in. There's not even room at the doors. I mean, it's, it's, it's full. I, I think there's hundreds of people pushing in and around the house. They're wanting to be with this healer, the one who has the power to break through even leprosy. No one does this other than Jesus. But notice what Jesus is willing to give them right off the bat, the word. I have dreams at times as a preacher that this place would be so full of of the doorways, the, the, the balcony, the, the, the aisle would be full of people wanting to, to come in to see Jesus uh, and not hear him, uh, his voice necessarily, or see him physically, but just be fed by his word. When the, when the, the house was full, Jesus was, was sharing the word. The word changes things. And that's, what, that's what's going on here. Uh, people are crowding in and Jesus is like, I, I've got a word for you. The Bible says Jesus is the word. He, he's He's the one who offers life and can change things. And he's, he's about ready to, to give them perspective of what matters most. He's the miracle worker, but he's also the one who forgives sins. Look what it says in verse 3. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. They tried to push in from the doors, to try to come in the living room. They tried to come in through the back porch, whatever it may be. They couldn't get in. So they decided, to, I believe, here's probably how it went. They either went up the stairs on the side of the house, or they may have even jumped over from one neighbor's house to the other. They get to the roof, and they're like, we're letting him in through the roof. They removed the roof above Jesus. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed in which the paralytic lay. Can you imagine what it had been like to have been in the house? Maybe to even been at the, the edge of the doorway to all of a sudden see four guys ripping apart the roof, layer, lowering down their friend to, to be with Jesus, this one that could heal, the one that could give the breakthrough to, to let him back on his feet. Mark Moore in the book Quest 52 does a great job explaining what the house may have looked like. If you're reading uh, the, the Quest with us this, this year, go to chapter 23 and read this story for yourself through Mark Moore's perspective. I mean, it would have been exhilarating to, to see the passion of these four friends risking a social dilemma of like, hey, you just, you just trashed your friend's house, uh, risking possibly a lawsuit, all for the sake of their friend. Pause right here for just a second. It's not in the sermon, but it's hitting me hard. What friend do you know that you need to make sure hears the words of Jesus, feels the love of Jesus, but by your faith, which is the friend that you know uh, needs, needs help in, in knowing that God offers forgiveness through Jesus? We all have one of those, maybe a bunch. The creators of the, the film Chosen also do a great job of portraying what it may have been like to have been in that house, to see the faith of the friends and the power of Jesus. Watch this with me as we see this chapter 2 portrayed through The Chosen. I saw what you did to the leper on the road this morning. My friend has been paralyzed since childhood. He has no hope but you. Please, 
do for him what you did for the leper. That's a rope! Put it back, man! If you are willing, Rabbi, I know you can do this. your tablet at least. authority do you teach? Answer me. If you are willing, Rabbi, you know you can't. Hey, I'm talking to you. By whom do you teach? Certainly not the authority of any rabbi from Nazareth. Where did you study? Your faith is beautiful. Son, take heart. Your sins are forgiven. Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right. But I ask you, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk? It's easy to say anything, no? But to show you, and so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, my son, rise. Pick up your bed. And go home.
That's the power of Jesus. To not only make a lame man walk, but to forgive sins. The, the faith of the friends are what led Jesus to, to do that day. The, the questions also of these religious leaders. The healing was amazing. Never seen anything like this before. Everyone in the room knew that the man had been lowered down because he was paralyzed. They had seen him around town. They, they knew his history. They knew he couldn't walk. His buddies brought him in there so Jesus could get him back on his feet. But look what Jesus says. You go back to the text, Mark chapter 2, verse 5. And when Jesus saw their faith, the chosen said, this is beautiful. That, that wasn't in the text, but it, but it is beautiful. When he saw their amazing faith, he said this to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now hold on, Jesus. Our buddy uh, has been brought to you so that he could walk. Can't you see he's crippled? Can't you see he's paralyzed? Their perspective was to help him get through his hurt physically, but Jesus had a perspective that was eternal. His sins needed to be forgiven. In a weird way, they had to be let down. I mean, they tore up the roof. They risked their social connections to, for their friend so he could walk again. And now Jesus is only going to be doing something that may or may not ever be able to be seen. I wonder how many of us, though, sometimes have the wrong perspective of what we really need. How many times do we seek out something that is just temporary when God is wanting to give us something so much more, something that's eternal? But there would have been some other people frustrated with the words of Jesus. Not only the friends would have been a little bit confused of what was happening, but when Jesus started talking about the forgiveness of sins, we see in, in the clip and we see in the text that the religious leaders would have been upset. Look what, the, look what the text says in Matthew 9, the same healing story with a little bit more detail on these leaders. It says, some of the teachers of religious law said to themselves, this is that same Greek word that we talked about a couple days ago, this is just a, a mindful thinking, that they were thinking to themselves, that's blasphemy. Does he think he's God? And look what this says. I love this verse. Jesus knew what they were thinking. Think about that for a minute. That's the power of Jesus. He knew what these religious leaders who were bothered by his words, he knew what they were thinking, and he asked them, why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? See, these religious leaders, these teachers of the law, were in a place of power. They're in a place of authority. Uh, you had to come before them and, and the priest, and it was like a, a little bit of a network of power and a business uh, that if you wanted to be forgiven, well, not even forgiven, if you just wanted your uh, sins to be covered over for uh, the next day, the next year until you died, you had to provide sacrifices the way they said, the way the law said. And God established the law, but they abused the law at times. Families that couldn't afford a lamb would, would have to buy maybe a dove at a high price. We know in scripture there were times when the money changers would, would create like a fraudulent uh, claim of the money needed. And, and Jesus knew that God's children were being taken advantage of the temple. And he goes in the temple and he overturns the money changers. There was a whole system here uh, that didn't provide forgiveness through the law, but it provided sins to be rolled over. And Jesus is taking a whole step beyond their ability and says, your sins are forgiven. These religious leaders were been very bothered. Does he think he's God? And he knew what they were, he, they were thinking. 
And Jesus was saying this. He says, I am the one who forgives sins. I am the son of God. I'm the son of man. And while your friend needs to walk, what your friend needs even more is to be forgiven. Uh, Let this sink in. Jesus obviously had authority over his physical dilemmas, but what was never, ever considered to this point where Jesus, anyone other than God himself in heaven, would have authority over sin. And Jesus basically saying at this point, as a public announcement, I am God in heaven. God and the Father, we work together to forgive sin. And he had this proper perspective of the eternal instead of just what we often focus on. I wonder what your perspective brings you here today. Uh, What what keeps you from focusing on what's most important? Uh, God's blessing for eternity. God's uh, proper relationship with God through Jesus. I came up with five different things that may plague you like they do me this week. One, One is physical. If you're like me, there are months, uh, periods of your life, maybe even days, where the first thing on your mind, if you could just correct this in your physical dilemma, then you would be right. Everything would be good. It may be you're sick, or it may be you're tired. It, it may be you have pains. Whatever it may be, when the physical is wrong, you, you want it to be changed. And that's what these uh, four friends were doing. They're like, well, our friend is physically paralyzed. We need your help. Jesus has authority over that and the spiritual. Maybe sometimes it's like me, it's financial. You start thinking of this need or that need and, and the, the realities that this bill is coming due and the financial presses in and it lose, you lose focus on the spiritual, the eternal. Maybe it's relational. Maybe it's social, the idea of how people look at you and that, that consumes your thoughts. Maybe it's even political. In the, in the world we live in, there's so much political division and chaos. You're like, God, if you could just correct our political division as a nation, maybe we could get back to honoring you. But we, we focus on the political before we focus on being forgiven. Very few times we actually focus on forgiveness because it doesn't seem that urgent. We don't talk about it much. And really, no one wants to mention sin, but sin is real. The purposeful and willing disobedience to what we know God's will is, what his word says, and when we choose to do it, it separates us from God, and we need forgiveness. But we don't think about it because we just need God to handle uh, the physical pain or the financial problem, and, and the forgiveness will come later. No, it needs to come first. Jesus is letting us know while this guy needed to walk, his greater need was to be forgiven. And he had authority over both. Look what it says in Mark chapter 2, verse 10. Jesus, you heard him say it in the, in the film. He says, I'm doing this that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. The Son of Man would have been a, a declaration that he was also divine. He was God in the flesh. Jesus is fully God and fully human. And he's saying, I, being that person, have the authority over sin. This was radical thought. Jesus is letting everyone know that if you need your sins forgiven, he is the only one that can do that. That's why the last month I've been sharing this verse every Sunday I've spoken to you. If you belong to Christ, this is a reminder, Colossians chapter 2 verse 10, you belong to Christ. If you're a part of the family, we belong to Christ. We no really uh, no longer belong to ourselves, but we, we belong to him and we have been made complete in him. And Jesus, he is the ruler over every power and every authority, even over sin. And he demonstrates this by what he does in verse 12. Look what he says. 
and he rose. He's talking about the paralyzed man. Immediately and picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. You talk about a high five moment. People were super excited. If he has the ability to raise someone who's paralyzed, he also has the ability to set us free from this religious torture of only having our sins rolled back. Because to this point in in Hebrew culture, uh, in God's people, their sins were not forgiven. Don't, Don't misunderstand this. Their sins were only covered over or rolled back until the Messiah came. And could Jesus be this Messiah? Talk about a high five moment. They were ready to to celebrate. They saw someone who physically could change things. Could that mean he could spiritually change things as well? And Jesus is showing the breakthrough that he came to provide is most definitely spiritual. It just is. But he has the authority over everything. He's the ruler over everything. Uh, The the Jesus, our, our Father in heaven and Jesus Christ, his Son, has authority over everything. Your physical problems, your financial problems, your relational problems, your social dilemmas, and the political mess we live in. He has authority over all that. But I wonder how much of your life is focused on those five areas and you forget to pursue him relationally every day and say, Lord, forgive me. Thank you for forgiving me. I want to confess to you right now, as your pastor, there are nights whenever I become frozen by one of those five things or all those five things. If you're like me at all, you can go to bed pretty quickly. I fall asleep on the couch often. Any, any uh, middle-aged dads can relate to that. You fall asleep on you're just out. One brave soul over here, okay? It happens. But then I go to bed and I wake up like at 1.30 and, and I, I think of, the first thing that I think of is often I've got this shoulder pain. If I sleep on the shoulder, it hurts. So I wake up and I'm like, Lord, will you, will you heal that? It's been hurting for months now. Can any other middle-aged or older person relate to having physical pain? A few more brave people. How many wake up at night and have reminded about that? So that's, that's the first thing that often wakes me up and I roll over and try to sleep on my back for a little bit. But then it happens, I often start thinking about not just a physical problem, but a financial dilemma. It may be a month away, it may be due tomorrow, but there's a, something at church or in the home, or I know the boys, uh, a bill's got to be paid, or a, uh, a tag bought at the license branch, and all of a sudden you're like, I, I get distracted by this physical thing for a few minutes. And then the last month, I was distracted by the fact I had three boys uh, in some type of graduation, whether it's from eighth grade promotion or high school or junior college. And I was like, man, life is flying by. Can any of you relate? You wake up in the middle of the night, you're like, where has the time went? And then sometimes I'll think about how I've messed up that day, maybe with a relationship uh, in, in, in society and culture. Sometimes I'm working on this, even on social media. I, I have made some mistakes where I've been misunderstood. I'm trying to do better about that. I'm like, wonder if this person really hates me as much as they've said, or does this person really misunderstand me? And you get caught up in that in the middle of the night. And you're like, I'm never going on social media again. And you do it the next day, right? Okay. And then even in today's culture that we live in, you, you can get caught up in this fact that we're, we're divided as a nation, and, and you're thinking, God, what's going to happen uh, in, our state, in our state capital and our, our, our national capital? God, if you could just meet this need, then this would go away. We, our, our, our economy wouldn't collapse, and, and we have all this political division. And then about the time I st- stop thinking about that, I go back to my shoulder hurting because I rolled over again. Okay, that's just how it goes. But in all honesty, about once a month, I get in that cycle of worry, thinking about the temporary, and I will toss and turn, 
and I will know I'll start keeping Tiffany awake, so I will leave and go to the basement and just lay on the couch. About three weeks ago, as we were preparing for graduation, and this cycle was really happening. This is not a made-up story. Tiffany's like, hey, what kept you awake last night? You know, I noticed you went back, you went downstairs to, to try to get some sleep. I was like, oh, nothing's bothering me. <laughs> you know, you, you pretend like it's not happening. I wonder what keeps you tossing and turning. I, w- I wonder what keeps you distracted, what, what your earthly perspective on the temporary uh, slows you down and minimizes your ability to really come before the Father and know your greatest need is to be in relationship with Him. And here's what's cool. When I realize my relationship with him can be uh, made right, made pure through the forgiveness of Jesus in any given moment, any given time, any location, and I can be in line and tune with the Father through the blood of Jesus, that gives me clarity and confidence that all that other stuff doesn't really slow me down at all. But I'm going to be honest, a lot of nights I never get to the reminder that I am the son of the living God through the blood of Jesus. And he has authority over my sin. He has authority over my shoulder. He has authority over uh, uh, the the bills. He has authority over uh, social media. He has authority over uh, my relationships with my family and with my friends. He has authority even over all of government and politics. And whenever I can submit to him, I don't have to worry about all these temporary things. I want you to know your issues that are temporary are real. I'm not trying to minimize them. But we first have this perspective that when we're in right relationship with God through the forgiveness of sin, all that other stuff begins to fall into place. At least it has a chance to. But have we given Jesus that proper authority? Because I know your five things are often more difficult than mine. At least they can be. Maybe the reality is the mortgage. If it's not paid, it's going to be foreclosed on. Or the reality that physically the cancer is real. Or you don't even know where your kids are on any given night. Maybe your social media account, you're in Facebook prison and you can't stand that. Maybe you're so fearful of the divided government, you don't think we're going to have the United States of America and your mind runs wild. I want you to know no matter how severe your temporary dilemmas are, Jesus has authority over that, but most importantly, he has authority over your sins to bring you in a relationship with God through forgiveness. And we need to fight sin, but you're forgiven no matter what. Looks what John says in 1 John chapter 2. He's talking to you and I. He says, my dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. He goes, my goal is that we live pure and holy. Don't keep on sinning so you can just get more and more forgiveness so that grace may increase. He says, my goal is that you will stop sinning, but anyone who does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. He took our place. Our sins were put on him. Not only our sins, but the sins of the world. What John here is saying, man, be holy. Uh, Resist sin. Resist temptation. But when you do sin, know that Jesus has paid the price for your sin and the sins of the world. The breakthrough that Jesus offers is forgiveness. Paul puts it this way in Ephesians 1. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Please hear this. If you hear one thing today, if you're wanting a breakthrough, maybe it's physical, financial, relational, social, uh, political, 
there is no breakthrough for you as a person without the blood of Jesus. And when you allow him to have authority over uh, your issue of a broken relationship with his father and he restores that, all these other temporary things he has authority over also. But what are you going to trust him in? Is it easier to say, get up and walk or forgive sin? Jesus clearly says, I can do this easy and I've got control of that. What are you trusting him? Just, just the physical things, the financial things? Or have you trust him to restore your relationship with the father and have your sins forgiven? And boy, do we have sin. We can come to church and act like we, we don't have sin. We, we've kind of got our act together. But if you're like me, you need forgiveness of sin on a regular basis and trust him in that. And then do your very best, like John says, to, to not continue to sin. But guys, we as a nation, we as a church, we as individuals need to know our perspective needs to be on constantly being forgiven through the blood of Jesus and allowing the Father to give authority to every other issue of our life. In closing today, I want you to consider, maybe your sins have been forgiven for a long time. And you need to put that into practice as you lay awake at night, uh, that your sins are forgiven and he has authority over everything. But if you have been forgiven, I would encourage you to be like one of those four friends and literally helping your friends get before the Father's truth of forgiveness of sins through Jesus. Maybe it's about helping a, a young person get to VBS or to camp, or maybe it's bringing a friend to church. Maybe it's sharing them a link of a, a message or a book to give them the hope that Jesus can save them through his blood. To save her through his blood. Come to him today. But you may be here today and you've already been drugged here by a friend. They didn't lower you through the roof, but they literally said, no, you're coming with me to church today. And they've somehow lowered you down. And now you're kind of sitting there at the feet of Jesus. And you're realizing, maybe for the first time ever, that it's his blood that gives you an opportunity to be in relationship with the Father forever. And, and your sins are no longer just kind of dealt with for a moment and you kind of get it under control but they are forgiven but it only happens if you trust jesus you're like how does that happen we see in the story it happens by faith that's the way it starts and then there's a point in faith that you say i believe that jesus is the christ son living god you say it with your mouth and then there's a point where you admit i am a sinner and i want to change i want my sins to be forgiven and jesus says i'm here and then there's a point where you saw even testimony in the high fives where you give your life to Jesus and you're made new. You're immersed in baptism. And in baptism, what's cool is when you go under the, the waters of baptism, the Bible says you join with Jesus in his death. And when you come up, you join with him in his resurrection and you live forever forgiven of your sins through his blood. If that's the decision you'd like to make today, it is free for anyone, especially if you're a drug here by a friend. Would you stand with me as we sing? Father in heaven, I pray that there's a friend here today, maybe someone that's here alone, and they've realized their really greatest perspective needs to be the forgiveness of their sin through Jesus. We place you under the, over the authority of everything as the one who has authority over our physical natures, our finances, our social or relational or even especially our politics right now lord you you're just over all that give us perspective that what really matters is a relationship with you in heaven through jesus in his name we pray amen today we would encourage you to come forward now
Don't put it off, but Dee would love to talk to you. I would love to talk to you. Maybe you just need to make it where you're at saying, thank you for forgiving me. Let's sing.